Hello and welcome back to the Literary Salon podcast. It's me, Damien Barr, bringing you another book of the week. And what a book it is this week. It's another memoir and you know that we love memoir here at the Salon. We cover loads of them at our events and here on the podcast. This is a memoir I've waited for for a long time. It's by a person who I've admired as a journalist. They are co-founder of the Brixton Review of Books, which is a non-profit literary quarterly magazine packed full of fantastic reviews and interviews. Um, And she's written out her first book and it's a memoir. Her name is Catherine Taylor and her memoir is called The Stirrings, a memoir in Northern time. And I just love the idea of Northern Time. This is a book that's very much about a place, very much about a time, and it's also a coming of age story. And I've sort of watched her writing it online and wrestling with these big questions about authenticity and storytelling, um, and, you know, brilliant discussions about language that she takes part in with other writers. So it really is a book that I've been waiting for for a long time. And she says at the beginning of the book, This is a work of autobiography entirely from my own perspective and allowing for the elisions and imperfections of memory. And I'm holding the book in my hand as as I read that. And I think that promise is just so clear. It's going to be one, one person, one story, one perspective. And I think that's really the only promise that memoir can ever make. But of course, with that one person, that one story, that one perspective, we go into all these much bigger issues. This is Yorkshire in the 1970s, 80s. This is Sheffield, which is known as Steeltown. Um, it's a place that feels really familiar to me because I too grew up in the 1980s in a steel town. Um, so, you know, lots of it seemed familiar, but lots of it also was very different. We're on the front line here of the minor strikes and on the front line of women's fight for equality. The spectre of a nuclear war is hanging over all of this and Catherine has a front seat at these sweeping historical events. But there's also a real terror in this book and it's the terror of the Yorkshire Ripper. That's what he was called. Um, The first mention of him in the book is simply the Ripper. And here Catherine says, we are 13 a glittering dangerous age. We are not supposed to be here. We are spotty but invincible and also bored. We are suspicious of each other and silent. The killings, which began when we were small children so that we have grown up alongside them as if they are our shadow selves, are increasing, as are the attacks on women and girls walking alone. So, you know, that's on the second page of this book. Um, And it's a, a real fear and it's a fear very close to home, could not be closer. And it's the first time I've ever read an account of it and it's completely gripping. I should say I'm doing an event with Catherine at the Edinburgh Book Festival. So if you're in Edinburgh this summer, we are being interviewed by one of their brilliant hosts. I haven't been told who yet, um, but Catherine and I are both going to be talking about our memoirs and our memories um, of growing up in the 1980s. And I'm so excited to hear her talking about her memoir. While this big capital H history was happening, Catherine's own personal history was of course happening. So her parents got divorced and she herself began experiencing a very debilitating illness. So it's a story of resilience, of course of self-reflection because it's a memoir and the whole thing is just really stylishly portrayed 
Margaret Drabble gives a quote on the back of this book, I'm just going to mention that casually. She says it's a frank mixture of memory and anger and protest. And there's a wonderful quote also on there from Susie Boyd. She says it captures the fear and euphoria of growing up with precision and wry, spiky flair. So here is Catherine Taylor with a reading from her debut book, which is the memoir, The Stirrings. Hello, I'm Catherine Taylor, and I'm delighted to be reading exclusively for listeners of Damien Barr's Literary Salon from my new book, The Stirrings, a memoir in Northern Time. I'm taking the reading from the prologue to the book, The Very Beginning, and it's set in Sheffield General Cemetery, November 1980. They say witches float. Late afternoon, late after school, late November, late in the year. I am late for tea. Although my mother is still at work, a peanut butter sandwich wrapped in tinfoil and a Kit Kat await me on a plate on the kitchen table to scoff while ostensibly doing homework, or the more likely scenario, lying on the dining room floor, eyes closed, Susie and the Banshees on the record player, refracting edgy beats matched by dolefully menacing lyrics, telling me that the house is happy, all is well, and that there is no hell. Except there is hell, and it is here, it is surrounding us. The misty drizzle is replete with it. Five girls stand on Montague Street in Sharrow at the eastern end of the old General Cemetery. It is past dusk or twilight, no one knows the difference, on a Friday afternoon, five o'clock. The end of the first year of a new decade, the first year of the tenacious grip of Margaret Thatcher's Conservative government and the industrial unrest that will mark the next few years. In Sheffield, known as the Steel City, 1980 has been marked by the National Steelworkers' Strike, which has seen workers out picketing and clashing with police in a vain attempt to save jobs in an industry under threat. We are 13, a glittering, dangerous age. We're not supposed to be here. We are spotty, but invincible, and also bored, an admixture which has brought us to the corner of this abandoned place, away from warm sitting rooms with the hiss of gas fires and sapphire and steel on the telly. Our school uniforms a muddy dark brown, are each subtly customised, as much as we dare, for our teachers are self-important in their scrutiny. Rain trickles into the open hood of my duffel coat and down my neck. We are suspicious of each other and silent. On Fridays, the school day finishes at lunchtime. It is that sort of school. But there had been another murder at the beginning of the week of a student in Leeds, an hour away from Sheffield. The killings, which began when we were small children, so that we have grown up alongside them as if they are our shadow selves, are increasing, as are the attacks on women and girls walking alone. A new name added to the list read out on the radio and TV bulletins, another blurred photograph printed in the newspapers. The names and photographs are of somebody's daughter, mother, wife, sister, friend. Those who escape are the lucky ones. Somehow, they got away from the man I see in nightmares. And although he does not appear in human form, I instinctively know it is him, the Ripper. At night, as I sleep, he manifests at first as a small black dot in an otherwise untroubled sky, like an eye moat at the border of vision. The dot increases in size, metamorphosing in shape with alarming rapidity, and so my sight is overwhelmed, by a huge, oily-feathered bird coming in for the kill. I usually wake up just at the moment when my face is covered and blotted out, my mouth stuffed full of soft black feathers. 
As autumn proceeds, the afternoons growing shorter and the nights longer, a quiet panic has begun to set in among our parents. Therefore, on this Friday, we are not allowed to become our weekend individual selves, not yet. Instead, we are collected at the school gate in assorted bundles and ferried to each other's houses in cars or on buses or on foot. The group I am with, randomly assembled, has little to say to each other, an unnatural and awkward collective. We spend a couple of desultory hours flicking through old copies of Jackie and Smash Hits, outwardly scornful of the urgent anxieties expressed in the former through anguished letters printed on the Dear Cathy and Claire problem page. How can I make him like me? Can you get pregnant the first time? In reality, we are completely naive in terms of our own experience. Mostly we speculate on where the Ripper will appear next, for it was of course he who had committed the latest murder. Despite the fact that it took place in a different city, the proximity, the electric terror, sparked and magnified each time he strikes in towns and cities across Yorkshire, is substantial. It also inflames something else, rebellion. And so this late afternoon, we sneak, by tacit agreement and in single file, through the kitchen and out the back door, onto the indifferently lit, rain-slick streets of Broom Hall. This particular street appears blandly innocuous, Comfortable Victorian villas like the one from which we emerge, with protective trees and huge hidden gardens, but its outer edges, towards the Ring Road and town, nearer Havelock Square and Hanover Street, are a mix of terraces, bedsits, run-down flats, the area known as the Red Light District. Much of it will be demolished in 1982. The vast bulk of Viners at the corner of Broomhall Road and Hanover Way is also doomed by the economic downturn and cheaper imports from abroad. Once the biggest cutlery factory not only in Sheffield but the whole of the UK, the firm will go bankrupt in 1985. As we slink like cats from street lamp to street lamp, we pass a couple of women standing at the corner of where Broomhall Road meets Victoria Road, waiting blankly in the rain for a car to slow down. They look cold in their thin jackets and skimpy skirts. We stare, frankly, although we aren't supposed to look. These are the women whom the press and police vilify the so-called good-time girls. They don't seem to be having a good time to me. They look tired, resigned and vulnerable. We continue, crossing the busy main road and then up an ominously quiet and empty Montague Street. Ahead of us is a long path winding through the cemetery, which, as I inform the others, it being my foolish and ingratiating suggestion that we come here, my contribution to the group, leads to catacombs and a deserted church. Bordered on either side by a dense forest of gravestones, it is shadowy in the murk. Somewhere to the left beyond the trees, a spooky walled-up chapel surveys its clammy kingdom. The imposing Egyptian-style gatehouse, thick columns sculpted on either side with two snakes, their tails in their mouths, marks the exit to Cemetery Avenue, less than ten minutes' walk and many pounding heartbeats away. There might be skulls and other severed body parts lurking amid the undergrowth, a large number of the graves are smashed and broken. There are certainly hundreds of dead people underneath our feet. Beside us is Stalker Walk and the Porterbrook River, where, one winter a few years before, out with my mother, I saw a kingfisher flashing by in a whir of blue and green. It means the halcyon days are coming, she told me, but whatever the halcyon days were, they had not come. Instead, my father had left us not long after.
Once again, that was Catherine Taylor reading exclusively for the Literary Salon. I'll be on a stage with Catherine at this year's Edinburgh Book Festival, so please do join us there um, if it's not already sold out. Her book is available now in all good bookshops, and as ever, we recommend buying from your local independent, and you can support us here at Salon by buying a copy from our page on bookshop.org. The Stirrings is published by Weidenfeld and Nicholson, which is an imprint of Penguin Random House, and we're going to be featuring the book in an upcoming giveaway. So subscribe to our newsletter, follow us on our socials, and you will not miss a chance to win a copy. Thank you for listening, and join us again soon. Mm-hmm.